You're listening to Insights for Living with Pastor Boju Oyemade. Pastor Boju is the senior pastor of the Covenant Nation. All right, let's turn to Romans chapter 4 from verse 17 to verse um, 22. And I would like, um, it's a very brief message, very precise message. And I believe this will revolutionize your faith work. So listen attentively to it because I have got to teach in this particular, um, during this session here. And going to uh, deeper things. So listen carefully. It says here, as it is written from verse 17, 22, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed. Even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were who against hope believed in hope that he might become a father of many nations. We've looked at this. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And then we saw the strategy that he deployed and being not weakened in faith by considering his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but then deployed this, was strong in faith or strengthened himself by giving glory to God. Now we are zeroing in on these last two verses this morning. And being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Last week, we were looking at the subject of full persuasion. And he says, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Therefore, it was imputed unto him as righteousness. Now, how did he show or what does it really mean to be fully persuaded? Uh, the point we've got to get to is as he was giving glory unto God, he moved into that final stage of our faith work, which was full persuasion. And the Bible says it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Now, if we look at verse 3, I want to show this about full persuasion, what it means. It says, for what said the scripture in Romans 4, 3, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So he uses counted or imputed unto him for righteousness. In verse 21, he says that he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was imputed or counted unto him for righteousness. Now, what does it mean to be fully persuaded? Is it just bringing yourself into a psychological state of mind, which is what many of us think and then wonder why it isn't working? Now, I want to make it plain to show you that the confession is to lead you to a place of full persuasion. And once you get to that stage, it is in possible for you not to get results. Let me repeat. The confession is to lead you to a place of full persuasion. That's the final phase of faith. And once this is arrived at, it is, let me repeat, repeat again, impossible. Now, it's this part many at times that has not been well understood. 
Now, if you go to James, now let's read it again here. It says, being fully persuaded what he had promised, he was able to perform. Therefore, it was counted unto him for righteousness. And verse 3, it tells us, for what said the scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, in James chapter 2, see what it means here. James chapter 2 uh, and verses 20, 19. It says this. Thou believest there's one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Will thou, O vain man, not know this, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was his faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled. Abraham believed God and it was imputed for him for righteousness. All we could see and the scripture was fulfilled. Abraham was fully persuaded. So the full persuasion of Abraham was not demonstrated by psychological state of mind, but through an act of obedience. In other words, you could say this way, and he was strong in faith, giving glory unto God, which led to an act of obedience through which righteousness was imputed unto him. In other words, after that act of obedience, God says, you now have it. So he got the promise, according to that which was written, who against hope believed in hope that he might become a father of many nations didn't allow himself to get weakened in faith by considering the negative thing, but strengthened himself, giving glory unto God. And that led him to a place of obedience unto God, which sealed the deal. So the deal gets sealed when a person obeys God. So the full persuasion he's talking about here is this, it's an, an act of obedience, not a psychological state of mind, which means when a person is fully persuaded, he demonstrates it by certain acts of obedience. So full persuasion was shown in him offering up Isaac on the altar. So let's read it again here. And the scripture was fulfilled that Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. Now listen to what he says here. You see then that how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rehab the harlot justified by works when she offered up, when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so it says, faith without works is dead. Repeat the last statement or verse, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So what this is telling us is, as the body without the spirit is dead, faith without works is dead. So the works, or right, works or acts of obedience is what we call the spirit of faith. For as the body without the spirit is dead, Faith, the body, without the spirit, works is dead. So works will constitute what we call the spirit of faith. Now, if that is so, 
Then we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and you see the importance of this. We're going to get to why, where the church is missing largely. Verse 13, we having the same spirit of faith. Now, if works are the spirit of faith, then he's saying, we having the same spirit of faith. In other words, we haven't obeyed God in that which he instructed us to do, According as it's written, I believe, therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. In other words, the person who will speak and see the resurrection power, knowing that he that raised up Jesus from dead will speak and see the resurrection power at work in the life of that person is somebody who has fulfilled the works of faith. In other words, is somebody who has obeyed God in that which God asked, and I'll show what I mean, asked that person to do. And the reward is that the person now has prophetic power to move mountains. So if believing is not just a psychological state of mind and full persuasion, but an act of obedience, then we can now see that when Jesus said, whosoever you say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe, uh, that person, all right, has done, all right, has demonstrated that thing called belief there in acts of obedience, I'll show this here, on to God. This is why it tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, talking about the power, prophetic power of words, who is it granted to? It says, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, which is the works there, the spirit of faith, by which he obtained a witness he was righteous. It says the scripture was fulfilled. He believed unto righteousness. There was a witness there that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, that is his acts of obedience, and he being dead yet speaketh. So it's from the act of obedience comes the prophetic power to be able to move mountains. So what is void is a lack of understanding that being fully persuaded is actually a demonstrative word and not a passive word uh, or, or phrase there. And it means that this person, all right, is, has obeyed God in that which God has asked that person to do. So he being fully persuaded. So that's the final point. The final point there of faith is that, and once that happens, God releases the fullness of his grace. We'll see this to cause what that individual has believed him for to come to pass in the life of that particular person. So when the scripture says, with the heart a man believes unto righteousness, you can understand now, and with the mouth confessions are made unto salvation. We've seen it here, believing unto righteousness, by which he obtained the witness that he was righteous. These are acts of obedience, all right? Not just a psychological state of mind. All right, so when it speaks about whosoever shall say to this mountain and does not doubt or does not doubt in his heart, He's, he's talking about somebody who, all right, is obedient unto God in that which God has shown that person that they should do and they have done that. 
Why do you think the Roman centurion therefore said? Look at what he said in Luke chapter 7, where Jesus said, I've not seen faith like this. And verse 7, it says, Wherefore, this is what the centurion said to him, Neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. Now hear what he said. For I am a man set under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to one, go and he goeth the reason why i can say to one go and he goes is because i am a man under authority the reason why my words have power to those who are beneath me is because those who are above me their word has power over my life i am under authority so those who are under me obey so if you have been set at the right hand of the father the father says we are seated together with jesus but we are under the authority of the father and when he speaks and you obey then whoever is underneath you must obey you when you speak but if you disobey that then you lose that the chain of authority or line of authority is broken and your words cannot have power so that's how the system works and see what jesus said he heard these things and marveled and said unto him he said i have not found faith so great in Israel. And he said, because of this, in the other, I think in Matthew, he said, people will come from the north, south, east, Gentiles will come in with this understanding and they will sit at the table of the Lord. All right. So the first thing I wanted to show, now I'm going to show how we get into obedience is this, that we understand that you receive the promise of God. Hope is granted unto you. You call those things that be not as though they were. All right, that's the confession you begin to make. You don't weaken that confession by considering uh, negative things, allowing it to your mind to be preoccupied by things that contradict what that vision is. But you get preoccupied with the evidence that he has given unto you. Then you respond, all right, to him with rejoicing and praising him for the fulfillment of that. And it will lead to an act of obedience, which when fulfilled, then the power of God is released for the fulfillment of that particular thing. Now, second phase here is how then do we find out what we are to do? All right, because Rahab the harlot, that's how she got out of the situation. Okay, so how do we find out? How did Abraham know that he was supposed to offer up Isaac? How do we know? what the real issues are. Now, let's go to Hebrews chapter 4 here, and verse 11 to 16. So he says, Let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now, the word unbelief there can be translated from about five different meanings from the Greek. The first is obstinate. In other words, let us not fall after the same example of being obstinate or of being rebellious or of being disobedient or of being unwilling to be persuaded. And it sounds, therefore, like the hardness of the heart. Because if you are unwilling to be persuaded, you are disobedient, you are rebellious, you are obstinate, that you have hardened your heart. So he says, let's fall after the same example of the hardness. We'll see this of the heart. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrows, is a dissonant of thoughts and intents of heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in the sight of whom we have to do. 
Then verse 14, seeing then that we have such a great high priest who's passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. We've seen that, that's confession. Saying the same thing as God. Now he says, let us at the beginning, verse 11, labor. So he wants to show us what the labor is to enter into that rest, to overcome unbelief, to surmount the hardness of the heart, the unwillingness to be persuaded, to walk in obedience to God when he gives the instruction to easily obey him, to enter into the rest of obedience. He said, let us labor. Now, what's that labor? Number one, he says, hold fast your confession, all right, that is saying the same thing as God. We've said this, calling it into existence. Then he says, for we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity was at all points tempted like as we are. Let us therefore come up to the throne of grace. So to overcome this, you hold fast to your confession. You are faced with pressure from the outside. Okay, that's the temptation. And when the pressure comes, he said, come up to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Now, remember, when did Abraham show, all right, uh, his full persuasion? The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, um, um, verse um, 17, by faith, when Abraham was tried or tempted. In other words, when Abraham came under pressure, then he saw, all right, when he came under pressure, instead of his heart being hardened, he obeyed. And the act of obedience was, he says, he offered up Isaac. So how in the world did Abraham know it was time to offer up Isaac and where to offer up Isaac? He must have gone to the throne of grace during the time of pressure after he was calling himself a father of many nations and the pressure comes on. You don't use willpower against it. You don't use your strength against it. It says, even the young shall fall. It says, uh, they will get weary, the youth, and, and they will faint and, and all of that. But he says, they that wait upon the Lord. So there's not your human strength. You go up to him at that point and you obtain mercy. So this is a function of the mercy of God. This is the labor. You hold fast your confession and then you go up to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy. And then you will find that grace there to help you in a time of need. So let's look at mercy here. When we go up to obtain mercy, let's connect it with what we're saying here. All right. In Romans 9 and verse 15, it tells us, For he saith unto Moses, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then. It is not of him that willeth, you can see this, which means uses human might or runneth, but is of God that showeth mercy. Now, next verse. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose I have raised thee, that I might show my power in thee, that my name may be declared throughout the earth. Therefore, he hath, hath he mercy on him who will have mercy, and on 
whom he will, he hardeneth. So you can see that it's either you receive mercy or the alternative is that the heart is hardened. So what produces the obedience? Because it says here, therefore you have mercy on whom will have mercy and whom he will, he hardeneth. So it's either you get hardened when the pressure comes, you get throwing tower angry, or and you get rebellious, or the mercy of God. Now, those who will get that mercy are the people that come up to the throne of grace that they may obtain that mercy. It says, harden not your heart. All right. Instead of getting hardened, you come up to him that mercy may be bestowed all right, upon you as a person in prayer. Now, let me just read what the Living Bible Translation says concerning, very powerful. It says, God is kind and merciful to some just because he wants to be, and he makes some refuse to listen. So when he talks about hardened, it means they refuse to listen. So those who obtain mercy are disposed in their heart. They are willing to be persuaded. They are in that state of, that's, that's the way they, their state of mind. They are open and it's a function of the mercy of God inside their heart. You see a stubborn person, an obstinate person, trying to use force of will, trying to dominate, you don't get the results that way. All right, is a willingness to listen, which means when the pressure is on, there is a willingness to listen. And you hear what God wants you. But that willingness is a product of the mercy of God. So it's not going to be him that runneth or willeth, but the person who listens during that time and actually obeys God. And it's the mercy of God that produces that. Now, look at what he says next. He says, verse 20, Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? And he says this, replies against God, Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou formed it thus? And then he says in verse 22, What if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known his riches of glory on the vessels of many mercy? which he had prepared for to glory. In other words, when you had in your heart, you lead to destruction. When you obtain mercy, the riches of his glory, he says, on the vessels of mercy. So the people who show that willingness to listen at that particular point in time, the riches. So when he says, God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory, it means you find yourself in a situation there where it's a time of need. That's why he says grace to help, the riches of God's glory to help in a time of need after you have obtained mercy. Once you come up and you obtain mercy and you hear what he wants you to do and you do it, all right, then what happens is grace is now released into the life of that person. The riches of glory is revealed into the life of that person, and that happens. So the order is I receive the word, we go again on it. I don't consider negative. I put my mind on it. I hold fast my confession. I rejoice in it. The pressure comes. 
Hold fast your confidence and rejoicing of hope. And he says, harden not your heart as in a day of provocation. So the pressure, the temptation now begins to come in. And at that point, you go straight. Instead of observing lying vanities, you go to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy. And that mercy means there is a willingness inside. All right. Morning by morning, you obtain mercy, opens your ears. A willingness right to listen and then you hear what god is saying to you and you simply obey what he's saying and then the results come this podcast is brought to you by the covenant nation for more information visit www.insightsforliving.org thank you and god bless